Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Today, we have Tanya Flores with us. She is a director of reproductive grief, care, and education at a Northern California medical pregnancy clinic. She leads a reproductive grief care advocates team, providing care and support for men and women experiencing loss due to miscarriage, stillbirth, hysterectomy, infertility, and abortion. Outside of her clinic, Tanya serves as a biblical counselor at her local church. From her extensive years of advocacy and personal healing, she is passionate about sharing her expertise through co-founding the Reproductive Loss Network. In continuing her education, Tanya is pursuing her Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, um, ACBC certification, hoping to increase awareness and care for reproductive grief. So welcome, Tanya. So good to have you today. I'm so glad we get to sit down and have a conversation again, because it's been a while. Thank you, Mindy. It is a privilege to be here. And I always love talking with you. I learned so much. I'm excited for today. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I just, I want to hear a little bit about you. I know a little bit about you, but actually I don't know your whole story because when we sat down and talked, Trisha and you and I, we, we just, it was like, we hit the ground running as soon as we started talking and we didn't stop for two hours. I don't think I breathed. (laughs) lunch. We did it, (laughs) but it was, it was great conversation. So why don't you share just a little bit of your story, how you got here and then the why behind reproductive loss network. Sure. Yes. So, uh, as many helpers, we start out having loss of our own and at, um, at 16 and 19, um, I had abortions, um, and it was, uh, a time where I didn't know much about abortion and what it is, just that I was in a situation, um, a life circumstance that I needed to get out of. I grew up in a Christian home and um, was attending church, but for whatever reason, that didn't really reflect in the situation I was in because um, I was just so scared and had a lot of fear. I was in an abusive relationship with the first abortion. So I was hiding that as well. And so they occurred. And as I um, went through life, it was a ripple effect of destruction. Um, I had a lot of unhealthy coping 
and just stuffed those experiences in the back of my mind. Although, you know, they're, they're always there, but living a lot of denial with that. Um, I ended up getting married and um, married the man who I had the second abortion with. We never talked about the abortion after the day it happened. And we were married for six years or so and never again, never talked about the abortion, but our marriage was really unhealthy, unfortunately, and ended up, um, you know, like I mentioned, getting divorced. Our last conversation we had on the phone uh, as we were ending our marriage and talking about the paperwork, divorce paperwork, um, he said to me that the day we had the abortion was the day we died. Hmm. And um, that, that I will never forget that um, conversation because I had stuffed it. And that was really when I, I believe God started to bring that up to the surface. Shortly after the divorce, I returned back to church, got into some biblical counseling, thankfully, and started to really work on my issues. But you would think that I would talk about my abortion then, and I didn't. I kept it hidden, even from my biblical counselor. We were working on relational issues and such and um, continued to kind of try to keep that under the surface. And a few years later, I went to a women's event and I am so grateful for the women who are courageous to share their story in public. Um, I do now, of course, but it was at this women's event where a woman was sharing um, her abortion testimony and I honestly got really mad because um, I was at a church event and I thought, how dare she talk about abortion at a church event? So I was that woman who wanted it hidden in the church as well uh, back then. But it was the best thing ever because that was the start where God was saying, you, you're not going to run anymore, Tanya. You're going to talk about this. Um, Can I interrupt you just for one sure. second? I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to just talk about that a little bit. I, sure. I, can you talk to me about that anger? Why, you know, what that was like, what that felt like, what it, all you were thinking about. And, um, because I know you see it in your clients. Huh. So I just kind of want to just pause for a minute on your story and just talk about that from a personal perspective. Sure. Um, definitely for me, it was control. It was realizing um, I don't have control. I was living a life of layered lies, thinking I could control um, my career. I could control um, people, my relationships, when people weren't behaving and doing things I wanted them to do, the anger came out. And I think abortion was, was a sense of thinking I had control over my future. And when they were, uh, that woman was sharing her story, um, I got so angry because um, I was, my lie was exposed. I was so deceived and um, convicted, you know, and being convicted is a good thing. Um, it hurts, but it's a tearing off of that scab and yeah. it needs to heal. Yes. And so that, that anger, um, was the catalyst to, uh, to bringing that and getting the healing. So I think for me and what I see in many of, of the women is they have that aha moment, like, wow, I, I really don't have control. And, um, what does that look like to live a life of 
of freedom and trusting God with everything, really. And so that's where I was. And when about it took me about six months, Mindy, to be honest, after that, even after that women's event, um, with just anger right there at bubbling, it wasn't, it wasn't even simmering anymore. And, um, I was sitting in a church service and I looked down into the church program and I saw, uh, an announcement for abortion recovery group. I had never seen it before, never heard of anything like that before. And I just knew, oh my goodness. Cause you know, I was doing every Bible study, Bible study under the sun, but it was never getting to that. And I just knew, oh my goodness, I've got to do this Bible study. It's right here. It's like in black and white. So I went and honestly, the first two or three weeks, I was just doing the drill, showing up, doing the homework, being the, the good Christian, you know, checking off the marks. And I just realized, you know, I, I have to surrender. I have to give up. And the study that I was doing is so good about that anyway. It's written by, you know, written by a woman who understands the, the woman with the, with the abortion experience, just to surrender and let go. Why do we need healing? What is denial? And by that third or fourth week, I just started to really let it, let it go and let God heal me. And it was amazing. So that's a little bit of a how um, uh, I got started in, in after abortion care because a year later, that particular woman wasn't able to do the ministry any longer uh, that led me through. And she asked me if I would take over. And I think a lot of us can say we, when that first call comes, you're like, Nope, can't do that. I, I'm not your, your girl. <laughs> and, and again, I felt the Lord say you, you are, and I'm going to stretch you. And it's, again, it's not this control thing, you know, that so heavily ingrained. And I walked by faith, not by sight said, okay, sure. I, I, I guess we'll take this over. And, um, and here I am. So I, I, that was in 2005 when I went through my healing, I started leading in about 2006 or so. And, um, I was able to move out of the church environment to go into the pregnancy clinic world. And that was about the time, you know, when I met Trisha and she introduced me to the pregnancy clinic world, that was her world. And, um, and then we just grew from there as I learned how to minister within that setting. And, uh, then I really had the heart being, having an education and technology background to help helpers. Cause I remember how hard it was for me as a leader. Cause this, this woman who led me through, like I mentioned, she had to go on to other things. So I didn't have ongoing education as a leader. I was really a lone ranger out there on my own. And uh, so that's why Trisha and I started Reproductive Loss Network is we want to come alongside helpers, encourage them, equip them, educate them, network other helpers together because we can't be everything to everyone. And that's how that got birthed. Oh, that's awesome. So tell me exactly, tell us exactly what, what reproductive, Reproductive Loss Network is what you're mm -hmm. doing with it. And where do you think you're going in the future? If you can talk about that. Sure. Um, yeah. So again, it came out of a, a need. Trisha and I were working together. She brought me on staff at the clinic where she was executive director. 
And uh, that was a time, just to back up a little bit more personal background, um, I was, you know, helping with after abortion care. I started putting a team together to help. I was going through infertility at the time, trying to get pregnant. And um, I ended up having a miscarriage in the middle of the infertility, the fertility treatments. And um, as she brought us medical, Trisha did, when you, when you do that, you're going to see loss in your ultrasound room. And we were seeing miscarriages, atopic pregnancies, and we knew we've got to grow our ministry. So that's when we started um, helping men and women through miscarriage, stillbirth, and then infertility, because it was what happening in my life. And I was trying to seek support for myself. And as we started to do that, we noticed that the churches were really ill-equipped as well. And they didn't know how to help families. We saw a lot of um, weakness in, and I want to, I don't want to beat up churches by any means, but they, you know, you don't know how to help. Yeah. You don't know the language. Yes. Um, well, and the it, church has a gaps. I mean, the church just mm-hmm. has gaps. That's why they need our para ministries that come in. So it's, I, I, I think anybody listening would know we're not, nobody's bashing <laughs> the church. I mean, cause we're part right. of the church, right? It's just God calling us up to fill in those gaps and figure out how to do that and then how to make those connections. So there's a lot more to it than just doing it. Right. And you're right, Mindy, we are the church. And so if we, if we have these parachurch ministries on the outside, we can bring them on the inside of the church within the walls. Yes. And that's, you know, what uh, Trisha and I um, try to do is to educate inside the church and outside the church and bring people together. We love to have our trainings, training the helpers where we have a mixed group of um, after abortion care leaders, uh, those that work in fertility clinics, having deacons and chaplains. And sometimes we even have pastors sitting in and to get them in a room together to see that they all have a very critical part in a healing journey of a woman and a man or a couple together and they get it then. So that's what, you know, reproductive loss network. That's really our main goal is to, uh, again, educate, equip and encourage helpers of all sorts from a biblical standard of care, Christ focused and having um, everyone come together and know about one another so that we can be offer that thorough care yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And um, I just remember taking your class. I want to do it again because I don't feel like I got it all, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd love to learn again and do that again. So I may be signing up again. <laughs> I just don't know when, like my schedule keeps getting full, but I yeah. love what you're doing. And um, I thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Now you mentioned that you've had abortion and did you allude to that you had more than one? I had two. Yeah. 16 and 19. Um, and, uh, yeah, just tried to hide them. You know, I lived in a state where I didn't have to tell my parents, uh, that's pretty common now, but back then, you know, that was a long time ago. And that was my, one of the things that really impacted me is that that was my first surgery. Mm. And my parents weren't there, you know, um, so that's a, that was a big deal. And to stuff that, that yeah. was the first medical procedure without 
my family involved. And then I hid that. Right. Uh, that's really hard. I think about the young, young girls that are having abortions and now with, with the chemical in their own home um, and the trauma, the impact of that. Cause that was very impactful for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gosh. I, I just can't even imagine what the girls are having to experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, abortion is traumatic anyway, you know, and, you know, in our day, it was mostly surgical and we had the ability to stuff it for a while and not yeah. deal with it, which isn't any better because by the time we do, we've got all kinds of other um, underlying issues as a result. Right. But mm -hmm. these girls are just seeing and they, and there's just, they can't, it's almost like they can't stuff it, you know, because yeah. we didn't have our sight. We didn't have that sense. We had some hearing, we had some feeling, but we didn't have those senses. And, um, uh, what we see with our eyes is huge. You know, we yes. can't unsee what we see and yeah. Yeah. I've been mm -hmm. talking to a lot of these girls. It's really difficult. Um, you know, I think that's a good place to talk about how do we talk about miscarriage loss and other pregnancy loss and abortion recovery? Cause you just mentioned you had two abortions and a miscarriage and you had mm -hmm. just one, correct? Yes. And, um, <clears throat> I know, uh, I didn't have, I've never had a miscarriage, but I just know from talking to many women that they, a lot of them view that as punishment from God after mm -hmm. an abortion. And, um, so generally when we're in abortion recovery studies, at least in my experience, I'm not looking to bring up miscarriage loss or other pregnancies losses, but I know that they'll bring it up and then we'll, we'll briefly talk about it. And then we just kind of move on because we stay to the curriculum, right? How, if we bring it up, do you think we should be bringing it up? Do you think this is something that um, should be a part of the conversation with real intentionality and given some space during these groups? And how might that look like? That's an excellent question, Mindy. And I am actively praying about that approach. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had some conversations just this past week with those that are asking the same questions. I am so grateful to have my faith because I know that the Bible is complete. It is the yes. authority and it's sufficient. Yes. And so we have that, that uh, we can lean on. That is our guide. That, that is the authority. And when I go to the Bible, I see that there's sin and suffering and we have to be very careful, you know, with truth and love for those that have had um, miscarriages and stillbirth and struggling with infertility. But, and I don't want to compare an abortion right. loss because it's done very differently. Right. But there's still that pain yes. where things are not matching up with reality and the things we want in life. And we have those idols of, um, wanting to hold on to certain things, like maybe with abortion, it was the idolatry of, I need to get my degree. I need to finish high school. I need to keep this guy. If I have right. this abortion, he'll stay in my life. Right. And we have these idols that we set. It's, it's just that, like we talked about a few minute, moments ago, the control with infertility and miscarriage, it, it can be so much of that as well. Like 
I couldn't even control my own body. It failed me. Right. Um, I'm less of a mother or less of a woman or less of a wife. If I can't have a child for my, for my husband. Right. Um, so, and it's still control, like even going through infertility, I did acupuncture. I did herbs. I took supplements. I had a special diet. I would stand on my head. Tell me what I had Mm. to do to get pregnant. Yeah. So I think we have to look at, you know, in Jeremiah where God says our heart is just, is deceitful, you know, among all things that our heart deceives us. And we so want to preserve or have certain things. So I want to say carefully that we have to look at the heart and we want to point our heart to Christ. And so if if we were to have a woman who has had multiple layers of loss, you just speak to her heart. How is she living? Is she holding on to things, trying to control? Um, Is she angry? Does she have fear? You know, um, we make decisions from a place of pain and crisis so many times. And I think if we go back and just go to that source, what were you thinking in that moment of the abortion or what is in your heart that you feel that you have to get pregnant right now? You know, what, what is it? So I, I hope that makes sense. Um, I I just want to go after her heart because out of the heart flows all things. The Bible's all about that, about the heart, our actions, our behaviors, our beliefs, it comes from our heart. So if her heart is misguided, misdirected, it's going to search for all the things in the world. She's going to make those decisions to, to try to preserve what she wants instead of having that beautiful freedom of surrender of letting God rewrite her story and seek him to understand because so much of life we don't understand anyway. Right. And so you know, there's that. I think there's so many things there that we could talk about because yeah. um, truly when we come to Christ, do we fully understand anything except that we're now believers and we have a different lens, right? But we we still don't know what the, how that's going to play out in our lives. I mean, it took me years to learn how to live in accordance with the scripture and what God wants in accordance to his values. And uh, instead of how I was living my life, it took me years to put that together. And even still, like, I don't live the way I used to. Certainly I'm different for me. He just didn't turn it all off, but, um, even still, you know, I, I know I still have things that God has to reshape, rethink, change my heart on. And, you know, when we're dealing with when people are coming in to get abortion recovery, oftentimes they're coming in with, like you said, lots of things, lots of different kinds of pain. And it's not necessarily that they've had a lot of healing yet. And so they're carrying this, like with a miscarriage, a lot of what I hear is, well, I just, um, or God, God is punishing me. And I think that's the big, big one that I hear. And I just, when we talk about looking at the heart how would you address them mm-hmm. in that biblically? Yeah. Well, I, I would be lying if I didn't share. I had moments where the enemy wanted me to think that Yeah. when I was going through the infertility and the miscarriage and I fought hard because I'm grateful that I had such solid after 
abortion care, the abortion recovery care, mm-hmm. everything I learned in that study, I could apply in my life immediately with the miscarriage because it was biblical. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fighting denial. Um, I was fighting anger. I was fighting the forgiveness. Can I live um, with acceptance? So you you know the 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 study that I use primarily for after abortion care or abortion recovery. You could take the word abortion out and put any word in there, right? It could be anything. Yes, that's that's exactly what I was just writing down. So <laughs> as leaders, if we learn to reframe those questions mm-hmm. as they come up into okay, well, let's just take one moment and look at your miscarriage, you know, and how can we apply this question or this scripture to that? And that might take some thought for some of us and some, some real intentionality. And, um, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't do that just flippantly. I would want to really think that through, but you know, we talk about, because when we talk about, well, let me say it this way. When I start my groups, one of the first things I tell them is, you know, this is an abortion recovery group. I'm not a counselor, licensed therapist, but this is the word of God and it doesn't know any, does not know bounds. It's going to touch every aspect of your heart. And so there's going to be things that come up that may be attached to your abortion and may not be right. And so, because not everything in our lives is attached to our abortion experience, right? We mm-hmm. we're sinners regardless, but there's other things that sometimes have been affected in our lives in our childhood, or even in our adulthood, things that maybe were done to us or we did to ourselves or others that are going to come up and be affected. And, um, but taking a moment, just one moment to reframe a question Mm -hmm. to help them think that through what that scripture says about blank miscarriage loss or other pregnancy loss, or what that scripture says about God's character, right? We talk about how God delights in mercy. And if, if you're you know, a believer, he's not going to come. God took the punishment on the cross. Amen. We don't have to, we aren't, there's nothing we can take. There's nothing we can do right to fulfill that, that need that we had to cover our sin. So, um, just taking it back to that and just helping. I think that's really good. That's really good. And that really goes to, um, this other topic that we discussed a few minutes ago before we got started. And that's the whole forgiving yourself. Cause we hear that a lot. And honestly, I struggled with that too. And I remember my pastor saying from the pulpit one time, he wasn't talking to me directly, but he said, you know, it's just not a biblical thing. And I thought, well, okay, but I feel it. So I'm still thinking it. So how do we address it? You know, just to say it's not biblical does not cover that with truth. It needs, show me why, what I'm doing by scripture, what's happening with that. And so we, we do talk about that in that, in our groups, but I really want you to talk about that and address that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that you, um, (laughs) that you said we need to, to unpack that. You can't just throw platitudes at people and say, well, it's not in the Bible, right. Button it up. Right. It's like, because because Jesus wasn't like that, you know, no. uh, he's not like that, that, right. uh, there's so much rich teaching in the Bible that we can apply to these really hard things, especially the false belief of, um, self-forgiveness. And so, um, uh, I would say that, of, 
number one, like you said, nowhere in the Bible does it say we have the authority to forgive ourselves, right? Um, I see two types of forgiveness in the Bible very clearly. You know, this is just more of a theology. One is vertical, where God is forgiving us. Mm -hmm. And then it's horizontal, where we're called to forgive others. Mm -hmm. So just keeping it very clear when people are so confused right? and they're bringing in all of these um, ways of thinking about the Bible and we all have different upbringings and how we, how God was brought into our life and what we believe. So just simple Bible teachings mm -hmm. where they can read a scripture and see these things. That's when I started to understand, wow, it is very clear what forgiveness is in the Bible and what it's not. And then when we um, have this with truth and love that Jesus, like you just said, Jesus died on the cross for us and what that truly means. I think so often, Mindy, we get very excited about biblical care and we forget the gospel because mm -hmm. we want to jump ahead and come after the symptoms right? Like you got fear. I've got this, you got anger. I've got this for you. Um, you got trauma. We, we've got this, but I think again, and, and the curriculum that I use, it's the gospel number one, and you get that baseline. And then you can always go back to that baseline of the gospel and remember what Jesus did for us and what you're doing. He's telling us not to carry. And they're like, Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And then that's, that's that loving correction, mm -hmm. right. With truth and love. It's you're trying to carry something that we're not supposed to carry. And do you know that that's the enemy trying to still kill and destroy what Jesus yeah. has already done for you? You know, and you take him to that verse and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they start to see the truth. Like, Oh, I'm really being deceived here. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that is deception. And then they start to see all the other deception in their life. And that the self-forgiveness is just one of many ways that the enemy tries to come in and tell us right. that we're not worthy of this, but God, one of the most beautiful um, things that I like to teach from the word is how God is sovereign and all knowing and all powerful. And he's everywhere, you know, like the three omnis when you're, when you're doing theology, mm -hmm. but he chooses to, to not remember our sins yes. from forgiveness. He chooses. <laughs> yes. And then when we are to live Christ-like and do the same, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. He chooses and we choose to let that go. Yes. And believe. Yes. Oh, you know what you're talking about here is something that I love to talk about because I struggle with my thoughts. So for years, I um, would describe my thoughts like a, I'm not a, a horse expert, but um, I describe my thoughts like a, a herd of wild horses that was just running, you know, because they got spooked and they're running, 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 and they would run right over a cliff. They wouldn't even stop for the cliff because they're so scared. And that's how I feel like my thoughts are. They're just these massive, you know, just taking me over a cliff so, so frequently. And um, yet there's just, there's a, um, instruction in scripture to take our thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ. And, um, I've been telling my ladies this late recently, and, um, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name cause we are on recording, but there's a, uh, actor who I just think is adorable. Um, he's, he's an older man now, but, uh, 
I, I saw an interview on him one time and he was like, yeah. And when you have those negative thoughts, he, he was talking about taking your thoughts captive, right? Just think about take or whatever his thing was. And I was like, <laughs> oh, dude, that wouldn't work for me. You know, <laughs> okay, I think you're adorable, but you are wrong. <laughs> and so I just cracked up at that. But because the reality is if the scriptures stopped at take your thoughts captive, there would be no power in what we're doing because we're taking them captive unto the obedience of Christ. And so we talk about that and I ask them, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that practically look like in your life? That means we have to know the word of God. We have to know Jesus Christ. We have to be in study, washing our minds, tr being transformed, you know, from this world and conform to Christ and, and I get in all those scriptures messed up, but that is, we talk about that because that's what you're talking about. Ultimately mm -hmm. it comes back to, because some of us really do have powerful overarching constant thoughts. I might, my, my brain never shuts down and in order to protect myself, because I have stuff running back here that I don't know, like I'm not conscious of, but I have a bunch of stuff up here, but this stuff is affecting what I do, the, the stuff in the back. So, um, I have to be in the word. Mm -hmm. I have to actively think about what I'm thinking about. And yeah. I have to choose, like you said, to believe what the word says, because that's where our rest is. And that's what Hebrews tells us. They did not enter into his rest because they did not believe yes. because of their lack of belief. So, oh, that's good. That is so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really great, you know, you can go into Ephesians four and read about the put off and the put on. Yes. And when Mindy, I love what you're saying is when we grasp the depth of God's love, how wide, right? How deep, uh, how yes. deep, you know, everything he says to us is for our good right. and because he loves us. And so there's a lot of commands. They don't have to, they're not, it's not legalism. It's not because he's a mean angry God, like I used to right. believe, you know, but yeah. it's out of love. And when he commands, it's because it's the best for us. And so when he says, like you were saying to choose to do these things, we do it because we know he knows best Yes, and we trust and obey, um, out of that love yes. and the peace that comes is inexpressible. You will never have that peace in the earth, in the world, in the right. earth, whatever. There's right. nothing outside of God that brings that peace and that healing. You know, and let's not, let's not overlook this because what we're talking about sounds very, very, it is true. And it sounds very easy, but in the, in mm -hmm. the reality, in the day-to-day -day life, it's one of the hardest things that we have to do in America, right? Is, um, is do the work, if you will, of being in the word. Because it takes effort, it takes time, it takes intentionality, it takes blocking everything out. And then it really takes work as we go to, through our day to take those scriptures and continually remind ourselves and wash our head in it, you know, until it becomes the truth that governs our lives, right? And we do that not by ourselves, right? The, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, and he helps us, you know, we have very little strength on our own. He comes and he does it really all for us, but it's, it's a relationship. That's where the relationship really hits home mm -hmm. is when he meets us in those difficulties. And so for anyone listening to this podcast today, 
you know, I didn't know we were going to go into that depth, but, um, that's what I love talking to you for, but, um, you know, if you're struggling with your thoughts today, just know that it takes effort. It takes real time and it takes work. And it's a work that once we turn it over to the Lord, once we meet God, he takes that burden from us and we get his and his burden is light. Right. But if we keep going on in our own way, it's going to get heavier, heavier, harder and harder. And we're going to end up burning out. And that's my fear. That's my fear because I went through burnout, but that's my reason and my passion for doing this is I want to help. I want to meet all the leaders out there that, because we, we wear so many hats in ministry, especially if we're in a pregnancy center ministry, most abortion recovery leaders are in pregnancy center ministry of some kind. And um, most of them are not on a standalone ministry. <clears throat> and so they are required to wear all kinds of other hats and it clouds your focus and it get, it distracts you from your call. And, and then you start working in your own flesh and now you don't have time for the Lord. And all of a sudden this ministry is no fun anymore, or it's frustrating, or you're not appreciated and all the focus is on you. And I've been there. And I can tell you that that burnout was the worst burnout I ever experienced. I had never experienced burnout. So I would say it's the worst in my life <laughs> to yeah. this point. And it was yeah. so severe. I just, I, I would hope that I could intersect for anybody on that before you get there, because, um, the work we're doing is so important. Mm -hmm. There's so many people and we can't do it by ourselves, right? I'm just one person. I can only meet so many women at a time and take them through a group just like you and just like everyone else listening. And so just coming alongside and building a, a network of care for each other yeah. and to encourage and buoy one another and strengthen each other, encourage. And I, I just hope that everybody listening today was a little bit encouraged by some things that we talked about, maybe not just for their groups and their leadership, but for themselves personally. Yes. Yes. And I think I mentioned a few moments ago, we can't be everything to everyone. Mm -mm. And we have that loving savior where he reminds us we're instruments in his hands. Yes. We're his vessels. And so it is going to feel different than the world where he fills us up and we pour out. And mm -hmm. Mindy, thank you for just reminding us about being in the word daily um, because we will be helping people from a dry well and it will right. be stale. That's right. If we ourselves are not committed and remaining in his word, because he is the living water that fills us up and so you can just, feel that yes. as yes. a helper. You're like, Oh man, I flew, I, I was flowing today and I'm going to go get filled back up and tomorrow it'll be the same, yeah. but it's, it's through him, not through us. Right. And that's how we, we can sustain the calling that he gives us right. when we walk in that obedience of being with him, companioning with him. Yes. And yeah, he's the shepherd. We're, we're the sheep. <laughs> yes. And we get the grace and the privilege of being and helping. I mean, to think that he wants to speak his message through us just blows my mind. I mean, yeah. who am I? <laughs> right. I know, I know I'm a mess. So, and he wants to, he, he, he entrusts me with his message about who he is. Woo. Yeah. yeah that's a pretty tall order. Well, gosh, this was such a good conversation today. And um, I think we're coming to the end of our time, but Tanya, I hope that we can have time to come back and talk again, maybe have you and Trisha at the same time, because that gets really good yeah. when we're all, 
all talking together. And um, anyway, I just thank you for all your input, your insight, your wisdom, your friendship. Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. All right. I'm going to stop recording at that point. Oops. I always do the wrong thing.